Hulk Smash Puny Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the podcast that goes snicked. This is the episode you've all been waiting for. We gotta celebrate the Big Ten by tackling Wolverine's very first appearance in Marvel Comics. Or any comics for that matter. It's a very special episode tonight as I have a guest co-host that I will introduce here in a minute. But um, yeah, we're gonna, gonna slice and dice and cut our way through this first appearance like Wolverine through the forest of Canada. <laughs> Or something like that. Alright, well, I, I'm excited, so uh, let's get to it. Alright, here we go! This is uh, Jason Emerald Posterior Venable, and I have with me Cameron Hideous Cannibal Beast Sinclair. And we're going to talk about the first appearance of Wolverine. You know, Wolverine originally appears in Incredible Hulk's number 180 and 181. Of course, I'm not rich, so I don't have those, but uh, we do have a reprint that we'll get to here in a little bit. But uh, I want to talk to Cameron first. You know, me and Cameron have been friends forever ever and ever yeah pretty much uh like 30 something years and i'm only i'm only 20 so that's really hard to <laughs> to do the math but um in vitro friendship right right <laughs> exactly um our cells knew each other before they split um <laughs> i feel like i should have a kierkegaard quote for that <laughs> totally <laughs> but um but also the one of the aspects of our young blossoming friendship <laughs> was that don't, we don't do that. <laughs> was that we discovered comics together and um or around the same time and kind of shared with each other and got into each other. So um I remember very specifically that my first comic book was G.I. Joe number sixty three, which had an awesome uh Mike Zett cover. It's still one of my favorite all-time covers. They had Snake Eyes and Scarlet walking through a minefield and kind of always stuck with me. And that was a... That kind of sucked me into G.I. Joe, which in turn led to things like The Punisher. And those were kind of my two big books for the longest time. Um, well, it's kind of the first stuff that you remember reading. My Probably my first two books, I think I had a some Star Wars books and some G.I. Joe books that my cousin Keith gave to me. My, he he was really into G.I. Joe. I think he had all of them at one point. Oh, at least wow. all of the... Up into the hundreds. I don't know if he had the last couple, but... Right. He was a big collector, and he gave me a few, I remember. And then, I want to say in third or fourth grade, maybe, some guy 
gave me a box of comics. Yeah, Bill something, right? Bill, I think, Bill or Joe, was, maybe. Yeah. All I remember is that he gave us this giant box of comics, and then he got divorced from his wife, who yes. was my mom's friend, and then we never saw him no, again. we didn't. <laughs> but we had this giant box of comics. Yeah, so that... And I somehow convinced you that I deserved half of them. <laughs> it was a legitimate argument, I think. It was just a, a windfall tax, friendship right. windfall tax. <laughs> we were socialists at a very early age. There you go. We split it up. But yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot of great 70s comics. Most, I yeah. think they were pretty much all 78, 79, somewhere in there. So we had a lot of early X-Men's, a lot of early... Nova. <laughs> yes, Nova. <laughs> the the uh, whole Nova series. I remember I came home with the Moon Knight number two. That's right. Iron which, uh, Fist. Well, see, Sabretooth's yeah, first got, appearance. Yeah, you got his first appearance and I got his second appearance. Yeah. So. I went out on that one. Yes, you did. And then By what else did we get? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sold it though, so it's yeah. still just Right, no, I somewhere. still have mine too. Um, There's a lot of different things. So yeah, Captain I remember some of those... And, Early on, Candy actually have relevance to what we're talking about today, um, but, but yes, but I, you know it's funny because a lot of stuff I read, you know, I think I've mentioned because Punisher has kind of reared his head in some of the the last couple episodes, and it's funny how I don't really read that anymore. But that was definitely like where I started, you know. Yeah, we both so, did. I don't know, a real fascination with violence. Yes. <laughs> the Cold War. Products of the Cold War. We were Cold War kids. So. <laughs> Not the band, but just kids who grew up in the Cold War. Um, well, yes, do you remember, you may not, do you remember like when you first read Wolverine? Not really. I mean, I want to say it would have been probably in those comics that I yes. got from that box. And then, you know, we had those comics, we divided them up, but we didn't really get into comics so much yet. Right. It seemed like it was a couple of years later when we started going, and that's when we started really getting into G.I. Joe first. Yeah. And then Punisher. Well, and really even, I, I think I remember this is true about you too, I was a lot more into Punisher War Journal before I was into Punisher. Yeah. And War Journal? Yeah, War Journal. Yeah, War no. Journal. Well, no, War, War Zone, Zone was, was the, the later one. one. Yeah, that, was, that the, was never very good. The JR. It started off okay. Yeah, it's okay. I remember you didn't like uh, how blocky JR Jr. was. I did. I was not a fan of that. <laughs> but War Journal, because that was, you know, Jim Lee. Yes. That was some great stuff on there. And I think probably my first real Wolverine experiences well, I, were from that. And yeah, then, I was going to say, that's the, first, that's the first story of Wolverine I ever read contemporary. Yeah. Like, the first Wolverine I did ever read was from that box. It was Uncanny 139, which we're actually looking at right now. There it is. Um, that was the first one I ever read, like, for the backstory. But the first current Wolverine story I ever read was the, the Punisher War Journal with uh, Jim Lee. And yeah. so if you're going to have a first first guy to draw your Wolverine, hey. Jim Lee's the guy to do it. So. And if I remember correctly, we followed Tex. Yes. From Punisher, and then he started doing the Wolverine he comics. Started doing Wolverine, so I bought more. Wolverine comics largely because of that. that. Yeah, that's true, and that was back when they were they were first kind of uh, scratching the surface of Wolverine's past. Yeah. So you had all that. I remember the what was it? I think it was fifty that had the that file. <laughs> stupid nineties die cut cover, but it had like yeah. the three <laughs> three Wolverine claws cut out of the, of the little f- top secret file. Yes, yeah. classic. 
That was good stuff. Good, good old nineties. <laughs> that was good. And then that opened the door. That opened the X door. Yes, if you will. Yeah, because then we got the Jim Lee X Men series, which obviously had a lot of Wolverine in it. And, and yeah. that's also—is that when the new this X Men started? Like, not when they moved beyond Uncanny and they started X Men. Yeah, it was right around there. Because I remember it may we, have been a little bit. I remember after we that, bought that new. Yeah, I remember we buying. We both tried to get all the covers. <laughs> Another gimmick we fell for is oh, '90s gimmicks. Teenagers are so gullible. <laughs> Late '80s, early '90s gimmicks. Yes. But yeah. All right, well, cool. So, so we like I said, we don't actually have the Incredible Hulk issues because I think you should one, just tell them we do, so they'll be impressed. We should, and, and then I can give them my address and tell them where I keep the spirit key to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes to, or I should say that I have it, but I can't read it because it's wrapped up in a CGC grating, <laughs> hanging above my fireplace. <laughs> I have the family photo and then Wolverine's first appearance side by side. No, but really I have, I think this is from, oh gosh, 86. It's a, it's a reprint that they did during Marvel's 25th anniversary. It was called The Incredible Hulk and Wolverine. And uh, it had a, a wraparound cover by John Byrne. Yeah, so let's go ahead. <laughs> I thought the intro was really funny. Did you read the little the little blurb at the front? Yeah, but that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, there's not much to it, but I think my favorite part is at the end, and uh, just kind of the funny how how things change and unravel over time, and because it ends with. Perhaps it's a part of Wolverine's appeal, talking about his mystery. Perhaps it's better not to know every detail of his shadowy past. <laughs> Who knows? Perhaps we'll never know whence came Wolverine. Yeah, they but, give up on that. Yeah, except for when we do. <laughs> now we do. Although we don't know all of it. We're still No, we're still, we still got we're holes still got being probably filled 200 in. years worth of history right? we don't know yet. <laughs> the old geezer. <laughs> um, all right, well... Uh, so, like I said, originally reprinted in 180 and 181 of Incredible Hulk. And the good thing back then is teams kind of did the same book for a while. So, both these issues are by all the same people. So, we have Lynn Wine was the writer. Herb Tripp, or Trimpy, I'm not sure which is right, is a penciler. Jack Abel did the inks. The letters were by Artie Simic. And Christy Shield did the colors, and it was edited by Roy Thomas. And of course, a lot of these are uh, fairly big names in comic history. Of course, uh, Lynn Wine co-created um, the new X-Men team that led into the Uncanny book back when it switched from X-Men to Uncanny. And that, of course, was like Nightcrawler, Storm, and Wolverine. So it's funny that he kind of plucked him out of this book and stuck him on his first X-Men team. And and Cameron, you may not remember, but I remember you were, uh, you know, talking about G.I. Joe, you were really into, and I was too, but I, 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 if I remember right, you were more so into the special missions. I did like those a lot. Yeah. I liked both pretty and, equally, I think. And Herb Trippy actually drew like all but two issues of special missions. Huh, I didn't so, remember that. I don't know if you would recognize the art or not. But um, I don't really have anything to say about Jack Abel. Of course, Artie Samek lettered uh, the original run of X-Men for a long time. And Roy Thomas, you know, wrote uh, X-Men as it moved into Uncanny, too. So, 
I wonder if everybody called him Roto. If you cool played name. basketball now, they would. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, and Roto for three. <laughs> I know you don't you don't read as much anymore, um, as opposed to me, who still is muddled in the the comic bookness. Um, but where do you want to say in fiction as far as heroes go? I won't ask you to compare this to Steinbeck or anything, <laughs> but but as far as like pop culture hero type things, where do you personally rank Wolverine if you have an idea what do you mean as far as well like as far as like again like you know is he is he number three on your list as far as like pop culture type as far as importance heroes. I guess well just that you like oh as far as perfect um for me he probably he's probably number two well number two he he probably gra- gravitates between one and two. I kind of go back and forth between whether I like him or Batman more. Okay. I think they're probably by far my two most favorite. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have to kind of copy you a little bit on that. Um, I would throw, I still have a really high affinity for Snake Eyes. So <laughs> I'd probably I do. throw, I I'd, do too. That's I'd a probably good, throw that's him up there and then. But yeah, those would definitely be my top three. Wolverine, Batman, and Snake Eyes. Um, and then probably right under that would be a double shot of Harrison Ford with uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, Wolverine, no, Wolverine for a long time has been one of my favorite like fictional adventure characters. Um, so so it would be cool to kind of look and see where he came from. So, well... Um, I guess I'll go ahead and kind of dive into the issue, and uh, you just kind of jump in whenever, whenever you want. Uh, I'll try to. I wrote kind of a summary first, which I don't usually do, but I knew we'd kind of be sharing the issue here. So, all right. Uh, what did you think about the art in general? We'll talk more about what you thought about the writing when we're done with this story. But what did you think of the art through this? Um, it's good i mean it's pretty much kind of what it often was in the in the 70s you know yeah. there's not a there's not quite as much deviation back then as there is today right kind of the classical comic book i think look. it was good there was some you know we we laughed earlier about kind of the silly way they they drew wendigo right <laughs> and uh you know the you know but it's it's otherwise it's good good clean arts what i remember you know liking so much about and you mentioned special missions gi joe special missions it's that that kind of art that's kind of clean but there's still something uh something interesting about it right that makes it i don't know makes it jump off the page yeah i would agree uh there's a couple of parts where i, I kind of laugh at looking at this first page there, there's an aspect i think all the art of that time where you can get really good action shots but occasionally it just looks really stiff yeah <laughs> and i'm looking at true. looking at this wolverine jumping through this fence right here and he his legs are completely straight. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's got his GI Joe arm working all the way bend to the elbow. But then you know later you have stuff, especially the I thought the fight between Wolverine and Hulk was pretty dynamic. So it's just kind of the inconsistency of seventies art. I think is just kind of a trapping of it. But yeah, and the color. I think <clears throat> I think the colors play off that too because you still have kind of that the dot coloring. Yes, the way they did and, it before. So it's it's less. It's less fluid and and uh, bright as it used, as it is today. You right. get so many different variations of textures and things like that that you really couldn't get back then. Yeah, exactly. 
But at least we're past the 60s where everything's just red and green. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and blue. So that, that turned out well for Captain America. That's true. Yeah. It worked out for him. <laughs> All right. Well, so basically where, where we get in this story, and I don't have, I'm not privy to Hulk 179, so I don't know where Hulk's coming from. But basically he lands in upstate New York and he makes a farmer mags. He break his, broke his fence. And I've seen a lot of people joke about how they, the guy quotes the price of the fence, but you know, it was the seventies. I'm sure it was a fair price back then. Um, but then my fa- one of my favorite parts about this story is Hulk lands and he, they, they point out that he's in upstate New York and Hulk literally hops like hop, jump and skip to Canada and just kind of hops his way up there. And uh, then when he gets up there, I guess the Canadians have dealt with him before. So the RCAF, and that's the Royal Canadian Air Force is yeah, what that stands I, I for, right? So. Yeah. So, so, so they notice him on their little map. He sets off some alarm or something. And so they decide they're going to mobilize Weapon X. And that's kind of the first, which sounds kind of sci-fi to me, like, kind of like, I kind of hear this, like, dun-dun-dun music in the background, like, it's time to mobilize Weapon X. (laughs) Yeah, it was very cartoonish. Yes. And, of course, the guy in charge has a ginormous forehead, which is, you know, kind of goes with leadership, I guess. And a fancy French mustache. Yes, which he doesn't To show you that he's French-Canadian. Not just a Canadian. (laughs) But a French Canadian. <laughs> yes, which would be very it's important. Like Quebec separatism, I think. <laughs> but he doesn't twirl it, so you know he's a good guy. That's true, if he twisted it. Yes. But he doesn't speak in French. I said that before, too. And that, that oh, yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. I also um, noticed in this that, and I, don't, I, I can't remember if this is time aspects, but no one spoke colloquially in here. Like today, it seems like a lot of comics, they kind of go out of their way to make everybody have a unique way of talking. But but there's two guys that came pretty quick after this that I think are largely responsible for that. Chris Claremont, who loved to like, you know, because he's the one that always had Nightcrawler throwing like random German things. Right, right. And then uh, Larry Hama for G.I. Joe always made, because one thing about G.I. Joe is everybody was so diverse and came from all over the country. And he tried really hard to write accents. Yeah, and that's so those true. are kind of sense. I think those are kind of the two guys that really start that. I'm I'm sure it happened on occasion before that, but those are yeah. the two ones that really stick out in my head. Because at this point, you yeah. still have you're kind of moving just past Stan Lee, where everything's like wow all the time, <laughs> and and so you have like kind of regular conversation, but you, you don't have yeah, definitely the colloquialisms are not there. And, like you said, it is weird that everybody speaks in English instead of the, the bracketed, translated from with the asterisk. Um, anyway, so, so Hulk's hopping around Canada, and he fights some wolves, and I just want everyone to know that uh, I was looking in the credits, and no animals were harmed in the, the making of this comic book. Um, so they say. Right. Right. And and how like classic seventies comic book aimed at kids is this that, <laughs> that Wolverine fights or not Wolverine, that Hulk fights a pack of wolves. Yeah. 
But you know, when I was in, if I would have read this when I was in fourth grade, I'd be like, oh, yes, wolves. Like, it, <laughs> it could have been any story anywhere, and you threw a wolf in, and you got me. I mean, one of my favorite action figures, Snake Eyes, why'd we love it? Because it came with timber. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, look at this picture in this panel here. <laughs> he, he's literally a close-up of Hulk punching a wolf in the face. Right. Which I will say, Hulk was not quite as indestructible back then. I mean, he was still like the strongest one there is, which he always likes to say. I think he even says it a couple of times in these two issues. But still, like the Hulk now... If he punched a wolf, like, the head would fall off. <laughs> well, he throws Wendigo later and uproots a tree with it, but somehow he can punch a wolf in the face and the wolf just flies to the side. Right. I had no idea there were so many... he was holding back since he says yeah, how he loves so. animals. He oh, he didn't... does say that because he does talk about how he likes dogs. I forgot about that in this issue. One of the sad introspections we get on the Hulk. Um <laughs> I do think it's funny. I had no idea there were so many pits in the Canadian wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> but but Wolverine... Strip mining, I guess. Uh, I, keep, I keep saying Wolverine. It is a podcast about Wolverine. We're talking about the Hulk. Um, but yeah, he falls on the pit. And we get one of the early uh, sonic claps. I love when the Hulk sonic claps and the, the wolves come flying out of the pit. But... Um, so then we get a little side story about General Ross and the Hulkbusters. But then Hulk starts hearing voices in his head. And it's driving him crazy. One of my favorite things, he, he actually tries to stick his finger in his ear <laughs> to make the voices go away. Like, he just has bad earwax, and that's why he's hearing voices. Um, so then, But then it's revealed that this, this lady, this Viking chick named Marie and she's calling to the Hulk because she wants to switch the Wendigo spirit from her brother Paul to Hulk and I love her reasoning for this because she's like well the Hulk's already a cursed monster so what does it matter if he takes on the Wendigo curse too <laughs> why not right I mean he's already he's already in, in hell so just add a little more and then my brother can be fine we'll just move on and of course, we know that the now. How do you now? Uh, this is a good good opportunity to take this. How do you pronounce? Do you pronounce it Wendigo or Wendigo? I've always said Wendigo. Okay, me too. And I heard someone, I think Tom McFarlane, talking about how he thought it was Wendigo because that's why there was always dashes in between his name. Maybe, but, but Wendigo know. sounds stupid. <laughs> I agree. Wendigo. Wendigo. That sounds much cooler. I agree. I agree. But, hey, no <laughs> Anyways, but the Wendigo curse is uh it was caused by cannibalism. And basically Marie's brother Paul got trapped on some hiking expedition and survived. He ate another dude and then he was because he did it in Canada, he was cursed by Wendigo. <laughs> so what is that still the story for Wendigo? Yes. I'm pretty sure, and if I'm wrong, someone can email in and tell me, um, but snipcast at yahoo.com, <laughs> little plug, but um, as far as I know, and not that he shows up much these days, but as far as I know, it's still like he's a cursed spirit that gets shoved from body to body based on cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get him mixed up with Sasquatch from Alpha Squad. They do look similar, Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. And they I do mean, look Alpha similar. Um, 
And they're both big, hairy woodland creatures. Yeah. <laughs> so. That seems like a pretty bum rap because I would think that in a place like Canada, people probably get trapped often on hiking expeditions. <laughs> and it seems right. to me that cannibalism is a pretty natural <laughs> resort. And it seems like a pretty, not to be atheistic about it, but to pretty pretty bum pretty bum uh, pretty bum move on on a god's part to curse you for trying to survive. Right, right. Well, you know the Marvel God is different than real what? God. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So let's, let's pivot this into a theological podcast. <laughs> let's Theology not. of comics. <laughs> Maybe if we do Nightcrawler's first appearance, <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> there you go. So, all right. So I need you to be my French Canadian expert. Uh oh. How do you say this guy's name? Is it George's? Like, is it just how it reads? It's just George's. Is is George with an S on it? I want to say yes. Okay. George's. I think. Well, that's... if I'm pissing off anybody in Canada, I'm sorry. Um, or it's just George, and it just oh, has the, the extra S is silent. Okay. I'm not sure about that. It's not. I think it's one of those two. Okay. I'll say. Well, if we're wrong, then, you know, just drink another Molson and curse at the NHL strike. <laughs> say, where's my everywhere. hockey, damn it? <laughs> Canadians everywhere. <laughs> All right. So, um, anyway, he feels like he has a debt of gratitude or whatever to Paul. Uh, and I'm not real sure why, I guess, because they used to go hunting together. But he feels guilty over uh, Marie's plan because he feels like they shouldn't do this to the innocent Hulk. But then Hulk arrives, and apparently these guys have been in Incredible Hulk before because he recognizes them as his friends. But then we get Sleepy Potion, and Hulk goes to sleep. <coughs> and then Marie calls Wendigo. But Hulk... Uh, Wakes up hungry and he sees Wendigo and just goes into a fury and attacks everybody. And I gotta say, Wendigo by Herb Tripp, you know, I, you commented on this earlier. He just looks like a big dude with like a white body hair problem. <laughs> I still think he looks like Mel Brooks. <laughs> yes. At least in the face. Yes, he does. He looks like uh, Oro, uh, Woody Allen, maybe. <laughs> Without the glasses. <laughs> I wish I could do a Woody Allen impression right now. I wish I could, too. Uh, you can just ramble about a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what voice you use. Um, but, yeah, so he's... It was just funny because John Byrne, he did the cover, and he kind of does, I guess, the most notable Wendigo, besides maybe Tom McFarlane's. Well, both of those guys draw Wendigo's is very feral and primal, but this guy... For being cursed into a beast, he just kind of looks like a regular dude with bad teeth and white hair. Anyway, so Holt recognizes Wendigo and decides maybe these guys aren't his friends anyway, and he just uh, Goldberg's Wendigo in the chest. <laughs> and then we get a nice full-page spread of Wendigo punching Holt. It kind of looks like... Um, do you remember, um, I never had this, but I remember seeing it. It was always a lot of money at the comic shop. But I didn't have enough interest to ever save up for it. But it was an old issue where Superman fought Muhammad Ali. 
I don't. And I remember the cover looked like it was kind of the same pose. That's funny. Maybe that's why he makes the oh Joe Frazier and Ali comment to the bottom. Yes, it is. That's probably exactly right. So that's I, probably a famous photo from it that. It probably fight, is a famous that photo that they, DC used, and now they're using it too. And who knows which came first? But we'll give Marvel credit for it. Yeah, because I like Marvel better most of the time. <laughs> um, I've been enjoying the new Fifty Two. And that's conversation for another time. So then we get a uh, we get a nice fight between Hulk and Wendigo, and they're throwing nature at each other. Does Wendigo always have a tail? Yes. It seems like this is the only scene where he has a tail. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, in this comic? Yeah, in this comic here. Um. Oh, I guess it's there too. Yeah, yeah it's right there. I think it's in most of it. So most of the shots are just of his face. So. Yeah. So basically, we have an epic battle. <laughs> I love that face. I know you guys can't see it, but the Wendigo, he just... Go? <laughs> Wendigo? <laughs> and then we get our first one panel of Wolverine, and that's where the first issue ends. So Wolverine's there. The crowd goes wild. And he's in his very first yellow and blue costume with the tiger stripes on the side. Which, you know, he has three stripes, one for each claw. There you go. And we'll talk more about what we think about his uh, his first little frame there when we're done. But, um, yeah, so Wolverine shows up, and he, you know, does what Wolverine does best. He jumps right into the fight. And Wolverine decides he's going to kind of split off on Wendigo. But Hulk decides, you know, in his simplistic Hulk brain that, the enemy of my enemy must be my friend. So he decides that him and Wolverine are buddies. And he jumps back in to help Wolverine tag team Wendigo. So they have another little epic battle. And then after they get Wendigo defeated, Wolverine turns on the Hulk. And then uh, the two Canadian people drag Wendigo back to their cave. And then we get a nice little kind of reference just so we know, like, what's going on because one of the things about the colors is you can't tell if it's night or day ever. <laughs> That's true. But we get a reference from the RCAF, the Royal Canadian Air Force. And basically they tell us that their plan was Wolverine has six hours to defeat the Hulk. And they don't know the Wendigo's there yet. So we know that this whole fight will take six hours. Which, so it's a nice little reference from uh, the writer there. Um, it's a long fight, but... Yes. There you go. So they're fighting, but then they're they're both knocked out by some more sweeping potion gas. And Hulk turns back into Bruce Banner. Then uh, George's, or George, the S is silent, decides he cannot participate in this plan anymore after he sees the Hulk turn into a man because Bruce Banner just humanizes it too much for him. So he runs off into the woods. And then Marie puts Wolverine in chains and as she starts to pick up the Hulk, or she starts to drag Bruce by the arm, he turns back into the Hulk. And that makes her scream... Uh oh. Need to get that. 
phone break. But so basically, uh, Wolverine and Hulk start fighting again. <laughs> Hulk tosses Wolverine, and that makes him break out of the chains. And then Marie runs off to Wendigo with another, and we hear her scream in the background, and nice which is always great. And this distracts Wolverine, and the Hulk knocks him out. Which, we'll talk more about that. But <laughs> the Hulk, just so you heard me right, the Hulk knocks out Wolverine with the with the sucker punch. The um, same punch that didn't bother the wolf that much. <laughs> right. Uh, so, George's, or George, the S is silent, he switches himself with Paul, and it turns out he takes on the Wendigo curse because he doesn't feel like it's right to give it to the Hulk, but he doesn't. But he wants to give Paul back to Marie. But then it turns out we find out in his own inner thoughts that he did it because he was in love with Marie, and he runs off. Were those thoughts, or was he saying that? I interpreted. I thought he was saying it out loud. Oh, let's look. So we have the, the pink outline. Because the so Wendigo, when Wendigo looks like earlier, that too, When he yells, Wendigo! Because all he does is yell his name. Yeah. I thought that's all he could do. So I thought I they were... It's I thought Wendigo. they were thoughts. <laughs> Wendigo. As far as I know, that's the only oh, thing... yeah, you're right. The only that's thing he can say out loud. Well, see, because it says um, something about his humanities with his last... But yeah, maybe that that still doesn't mean it wasn't in his head. So never mind. Yeah, his last vestiges of human consciousness. But he's so hurt by it, he punches a hole in the wall, <laughs> and he runs off. And Marie wants him to come back, but the Hulk comforts her, and they walk off into the sunset, hugging each other. So, um. That's basically our first Wolverine story, and admittedly, is mostly about the Hulk. But you know, Wolverine does a lot of—he uh, kicks a lot of butt, which is what you know you want from Wolverine. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to kind of highlight or laugh at before we talk about a couple other things? Yeah, I got a couple of things. All right. One, I don't understand why she goes crazy. It doesn't really okay. make any sense to me why why she goes crazy. Well, because she's mad. Because she didn't really want to lose George's, I think. Yeah, but she gets the brother back. Yeah, she does. But she wanted them both. <laughs> I still don't understand why she went crazy. <laughs> I don't know if because like, she realized... And I'm going to... Maybe I'm giving Lynn Wine too much credit. I think maybe it's because... If she would have just given it to the Hulk and she got her brother back, like she, I don't think she ever really looked at the Hulk as a person. She, she, she didn't really feel like there was anything, like it wasn't even really a gray area. It was black and white that she was not doing anything wrong in her own mind. Yeah. And she so, dehumanized the Hulk, I guess, in her yeah. mind. And so when she sees, and we don't know if we find out that George. George, with a silent S, loved her. We don't know if she loved him back or not. And it kind of seemed like she was manipulating him the whole time. So if, if, if she wasn't loved him, it wasn't very healthy. But um, <laughs> I don't I know. I guess maybe that would explain why she went crazy. If, right. if they're If they're trying to push that she was 
that they were in love and she was trying to uncover her brother. Right. And she gets her brother back, but then... Yeah. I don't know. Or she may have just sniffed too much sweepy potion. Possibly. Yeah, that'll do it. Magic always comes with a price. <laughs> yes, it does. Once upon a time reference. <laughs> Sunday's ABC. Just kidding. Um, um, then the other thing I was going to ask... Now, this is a broader question. Okay. We'll get to it. And maybe you want to get into it in a no. second. But Go ahead. <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about the Activate Weapon X. Yes. Activate is what they said? Uh, I think so. Um, Something like uh, that. Or Mobilize. Mobilize. There you go. Yeah, Mobilize Weapon um, X. Am I, am I misremembering? It seems to me that once Wolverine got the claws and the adamantium... That's when he then broke out and went off on his own. Of the of the Weapon X facility. Right. This seems to suggest that there was a time after he got the adamantium and the claws, but then was still working for the Canadian military as a doomsday device, basically, or defense some kind of national defense device. Right. Um well, as far as the uh, the retcon, which is a nice, fun word in comic books, um, and I'm a little bit rusty on this, but I think the general kind of feeling is is that even though the Canadian government may or not, and and there's some indication that maybe they were being puppeted too. If you go by the last uh, Jeff Loeb story, maybe Wolverine was. Right. Uh, in charge of Weapon X himself. Uh, either way, though, the Canadian government, if it sponsored Weapon X, this would have been after that time where he went crazy. Because what happened is, because if you remember from the early, actually, in the in the 130s and 140s of Uncanny, where Alpha Flight makes their return and they get their new book, because they... They put them back in X-Men to promote the new Alpha Flight book. Right. And when they come back in there, um, you get the story of how after the Weapon X story, which I don't know if it was written at that point or not, but you have the real famous one that that was done by Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah, that's the one in Marvel Comics Presents. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so after that time period, that kind of leaves Wolverine like wandering through the wilderness in the little... Uh, goggles and wires and right. the metal thing covering his junk. And, um, <laughs> Chastity belt. Right. So from the Alpha Flight continuity, you find out that, uh, I think his name's Hudson, but the two leaders of Alpha Flight, Heather and the, and the guy, Captain Canada, <laughs> for lack of a better word. That's not really his name. I think it's uh, Dominator, Alphanator, something like that. Alphanator. That's a um, good one. But they find Wolverine in the wilderness. Yeah. And they kind of nurse him back to sanity and to humanity. And that's when he joins Department H and becomes uh, Canada's first superhero. Okay. Like so officially sanctioned. And that's kind of where we pick up here. So this is the so time. So this is between Alpha Flight. So I was, I was thinking of this as being before all of that. But that makes, this that is before that he was sense. on the Alpha Flight team, but at this point, if you take the retcon, he knew some of the guys that were in Alpha Flight okay. already and had worked at least with the two leaders at okay. this point. 
All right, I'll buy it. All right. I I I doubt any of that was uh, even considered when this was written, but most likely not. But uh, we'll we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Um, I did think it was funny uh, on page eleven where Holt gets to the cave. He makes a big deal. Let's see if I can actually find the words here. He keeps talking about how he barely remembers them, but then he knows their names. If I got that right. Yeah. It's almost like he remembered their because, scent. He goes, for a time, the Hulk stands silently, the sound of middle footsteps echoing loudly through the almost empty corridors <laughs> of his mind, which is great, Hulk's a dumbass. Uh, metaphoric footsteps that stumble at last, almost purely by accident over a fragment of garbled memory. The two who stand before him are called Marie Cartier and George Baptiste. <laughs> yeah, that's barely remembering. He remembers their first and last name right away. But he barely remembers them. Um, to be fair, those are probably pretty common Canadian names. So. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so he just got lucky. <laughs> if he was in Utah, it would have been John Smith and Mary Applewhite or something. Um, I also thought it was funny because apparently Hulk's a teenager. Because they put him to sleep, and as soon as he wakes up, he just wants more food. <laughs> And he also immediately remembers Wendigo's name. So, well, who wouldn't remember Wendigo? Right. But he goes, "Huh? Is big white monster Hulk once fought once before?" Oh, that's why I laughed at. Yeah, he's a monster called Winnie, Wendy, Wendigo. <laughs> Although that pronunciation would lead to believe maybe it is supposed to be Wendigo. Oh, like Wendy, Wendy. Wendigo. Maybe McFarlane was right. I still like Wendigo. I'm not, you know, I may be completely miscontributing that to him. I mean, that may not have been where I heard that. I seem to remember him talking about that when he did the Wolverine Wendigo story in Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, Todd, if you're listening, yes. let us know. And you should be, because <laughs> I still read Spawn from time to time. And if you don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm selling all my Spawns. <laughs> Oh, my, also, I love that the first line we get about Wolverine in his first frame is he's described as the godly guarded gentleman <laughs> of Wolverine, which that to me is very Stanley. Yeah. Also, look at this, and we'll probably do more on Wolverine's Wolverine's look. Oh, his look how wide are, his claws huge. are. His claws are freaking ginormous. They're like car fenders. Yes. I don't know why the, why what's the with the width? Well, I have a theory on that, and well, I'll, I'll we'll Actually, bring that back. They're up. more like claws. Maybe that's the idea. Yes, I, that was it. Your theory. Sorry. Well, yeah, that was fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Um, I'm just saying, there's something I notice about his claws also that you may or may not have noticed that I'll definitely mention. Ooh. So little teaser. Hang out for the next at least five <laughs> minutes, guys. Um, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> this break brought to you by uh, Shiner Prickly Prayer. <laughs> uh, I also thought it was funny, I, or I, drew, I said, let me actually look at it. Oh, so the motion lines on what's on page 19, which would be the first uh, opening spread of 
181. It looks like Wolverine's like spinning his <laughs> arms like Scooby Doo. <laughs> it does look like that. That's and funny. he has like lines from his legs, like he's jumping straight up from this rock. But then his arms are like, like he's a wind up toy. So I thought that was funny. Um, he's also pretty different between the two books. At least the face. So. The face so much. Look how thin the lines are. It's almost like oh, he doesn't even have yeah, a his mask. There. Here it's a lot. He looks like, like he has an animal nose in his first yeah. one, and here is more. It's a lot darker, thicker ink. The stripes are wider, and this looks a lot more bone claw looking. Okay. In this drawing. Yeah. And then this one, the wide claw. Either way, still more claw than blade, which is what right. we're more used to now. But maybe that's right. as much from the movie as anything else. Yeah, maybe but I guess so. I mean the later, no, but all the, the later books, it's all much more blade. Yeah, Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri, they were always like they like swords. Blades, yeah, they liked katana blades and swords <laughs> well, and things. They did love their martial arts. There you go. So, but yeah, he's got the sharpness on there. But anyway, oh, and I also like the uh, we have we do get a colloquialism that I'm going to throw back in your face. All right, where the the writer describes. Hulk is outweighing Wolverine by a hundred stone, because he's Canadian, eh? Ah, uh, okay. That's why Wolverine says that, because he wouldn't say pounds; he would say stone, which I didn't even know was a measurement weight. Probably back in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, that's so, like old English measurements. Very true. So, uh, while we're talking about the plot. You know, some of you maybe have reprints or digital copies of this. So as you're reading it, I want you to imagine the Wolverine first appearance in drinking game. <laughs> but if you're going to play this drinking game, call 911 before you start. Because unless you're Irish or Russian, you will not survive. Because here's what I, here was my game, the drinking game. We'll see, Cameron, if you can get on board with this. Do I need to get out some alcohol? No, we may not be able to finish the podcast. <laughs> so you take a sip of beer every time Hulk refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> then you take a shot of liquor every time he says puny humans. <laughs> if you do this in two short issues, you will take 109 sips of beer and 10 shots of liquor. And if you count the puny human that the narrator says, because the Hulk doesn't say it enough, <laughs> you'll get another shot. So you will be drunk as a skunk, as my uh, grandma used to like to say. <laughs> I just, you know, That's I remembered, it's funny, because I remembered from like the 70s and 80s, Hulk talking in third person and basically being the Bob Dole of superheroes. <laughs> but I... When I actually went through and counted it, the 109 actually surprised me. I mean, yeah, that's, that's two pages. Crazy. Now, granted, and you had mentioned before we started that you had forgotten how wordy old comic books were and how much yeah. dialogue and narration there were. But even considering that, like 109 times that Hulk says, Hulk, do this, Hulk, do that's that. That's pretty funny. Is it? I haven't read Hulk in a long time. He doesn't do that so much anymore, right? No, and when it does, it's usually tongue-in-cheek. like yeah, uh, a Hulk smash here and there. Yeah, like, you know, and we had talked about our... Because neither of us are giant Hulk fans. I probably like him more than you do. Probably. But um, 
But we talked about how both of our favorite runs are Bruce Jones. And if you're listening to the podcast, listeners, uh, I've been pretty high on the the Jason Aaron run that just wrapped up. But I kind of don't think I'm sure he'll do something I don't like eventually. But I'm currently <laughs> in the Jason Aaron can do no wrong camp. Um, I've just been really digging his stuff. Uh, but what was I gonna say? But yeah, but mostly if you get any Hulk smash, it's more like a joke now. Yeah. Whereas I feel like back then they they were really trying to make. It's like they wanted Hulk to be really dumb but still kind of smart and eloquent, but also like cavemanish. There was a very Neanderthal way about him. Right. Neanderthal, if you want Neanderthalish? To yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, anything else before we kind of move past the story? Probably itself, not. Itself, the actual like narrative. Things. Well, this may fall in the category of other stuff, but I also noticed, <clears throat> and I don't know how this comes into the future, but Wolverine mentions that he can't cut Hulk. Yeah, okay. Which is I, adamantium claws, which I, I thought... I may or may not have that in my notes. I can't remember, but I definitely remember thinking about that. And the only thing I think of is that adamantium just kind of got beefed up over the years, because in, in here it's described as diamond hard. Yeah. And do they actually say near indestructible in this issue, or is that even later? I don't remember. I can't remember either. Uh, I might have written it down in my notes. I don't think they do. I think so. they the, the diamond hard... Which, yeah, just now it's become like this otherworldly item that's right. indestructible by anything on the planet. Right, and only adamantium can break adamantium. Yeah. But then again, you never see Hulk bleed. But you do, Or though. do you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I guess you um, do. In, in more recent battles, actually, between Hulk and Wolverine, there there's green blood drawn. And yeah. Of course, the, whole, the fight in general are always, there's not any blood in this issue at all. And I think that's probably part of it is just the lack of violence. Yeah. In the 70s, you know, we still, yeah, we're still under the uh, comics code authority. (laughs) And so you just don't get as much. But even when it's not super gory, there's times where when Wolverine will cut Hulk and he'll get a little green blood in his claws, but Hulk also has the accelerated healing. Yeah. Like Wolverine has. So usually there's a lot of a lot of really bad wounds that last for a panel and their fights kind of go on till they get tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the motif now. Because my question is, if he can't cut Hulk and he punches him with the claws straight on, what Where happens? does the claws break? Yeah, with the claws break, <laughs> does Hulk just get poked and push? <laughs> right. Is it one of those immovable force well, something's got to give, force, right? I mean, it's whatever. not the blob and the juggernaut here. It's, yeah, It's a guy exactly. with claws and a guy with green skin. So that was kind of a weird... Yeah, I didn't really think about... I, I realized that he couldn't cut him, and I remember making a mental note about that. I didn't think about the fact that the claws didn't go anywhere. Let's see when yeah. he actually gets it. So it's like he's just slapping Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, where Wolverine kind of butchers Wendigo at one point. Yeah, because he mentions, oh, here, something like here, that's better when he when he strikes Wendigo. Right. Although you still don't see any blood, but no. it suggests that? that he's able to cut him up. Oh, and since those claws can't seem to pierce that incredible emerald hide of yours, why don't I see how they fare against your shaggy friend? So we, and unfortunately, the art doesn't really show what the claws are doing. 
It looks yeah. like he just jumps over. He kind of leapfrogs over the Hulk. Because he's giving him a head massage in this picture. <laughs> right. Little things you buy at the mall and rub your head. So, with. so maybe it's not that his claws can break Wolverine's skin. Maybe Wolverine just wasn't very good at using them yet. Maybe not. <laughs> he also he does. He he gives he rubs his head. He gives him a noogie. He leapfrogs him. And then he kind of dances around and punches them a couple of times. So I don't think we ever actually see the claws. He does a lot of pointing. Yes. Well, then, you know, Bruce if you style have, pointing. <laughs> over that fence. <laughs> but if you have pointers on your hand, you might as well use them, right? Might as well. But see, even this one, I can't tell if the claws are actually hitting the Hulk or not. And that's, you know, the way the hand looks, it looks like he. I mean, we get a sound, his, a thrack. It looks like he hit him with the palm of his hand. Yeah. Interesting. You also notice, and you probably you want to get into this later, but you also notice Wolverine never takes the claws, claws back up, retracts the claws. Yes. We were definitely going to get to that. Because okay. um, there's oh, no snicked. No snicked at all. No snicked in and this it, whole... It breaks this podcaster's heart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I blew that for you. No, that's okay. Let's just we'll that. dive right into it. Um, you said you didn't read. In the back of this, there's like a, kind of a Wolverine bio from the creator side. So not as much like his origin, but his creative origins. Okay. And they're talking about that when Gwen Wine and John Romita started doing the designs, that, and this is not ever, if I understood what I read right, it's not ever been directly stated, but there's an implication that maybe it was intended originally that the claws are just part of the gloves. Because, uh-huh. yeah, I definitely noticed, even before I read that, because I was kind of looking for answers to this question, no, there's not at any point in these whole two issues where Wolverine's claws retract. Right. They're out the whole time from the when moment. When is this? This is much later. Um, I think it's contemporary to when this reprint came out. Oh, so, so mid-80s. Mid-80s, okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, because he snicks in this one. Yes, he does. Although there's no T. Snick. Oh, yeah. Huh. I don't know when that change happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what Cameron's referring to is there's a... A reprint of, um, I forget what it's from. It's like a teaser. It's only a couple of pages. Oh, long. Marvel Treasury Edition number 26. And those were, uh, what do you call it? Compilation type books. So they had new stories. They were all shorter. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. like Marvel Comics Presents and all that kind of stuff. And so, I also thought it was funny. Not to, I don't want to really go into it, but George Perez was the inker on that. And of course, he's a very well-known penciler. He just does gorgeous art. But, um, yeah, so, all right, anything else? All right. Well, let's talk about the things that we know from Wolverine's first appearance. So these are the things that, like, we can read just in this story and know for a fact what we get from Wolverine showing up. Uh, We have that he works for the Canadian government. And that he's a Canadian superhero. So we get his nationality. He is first referred to as Weapon X. So we actually hear the word Weapon X before we ever hear Wolverine. He has a really bad temper and he's referred to as feral. And he, and he has a lot of fury. Uh, I mentioned here, we already talked about, his claws are out the whole issue. Um, this is kind of a 70s thing, so I don't know if it really speaks to his character that much. But he's kind of chatty, calls the Hulk a lot of different names and when to go to, like, 
Shaggy friend and you know different stuff like that. Um, okay, yeah, they refer to Diamond Hard Adamantium, but he can't cut the Hulk's skin. He's got a kind of a bad attitude. He's really brutal. Uh, at the end, where he's trying to defeat Wendigo before the old switcheroo happens, he's pretty savage. Uh, he stabs him pretty fiercely, repeatedly. Um, oh, where was it? Right in this panel right here with the hot pink. Um, it looks more. That looks more like the classic two claws in the chest. Yeah, move. yeah. I was actually pretty stoked about that, and it's. It was funny because it's, it's the least clean page in the whole two issues. And you kind of have almost an abstract because of the shade, like around Wolverine. Yeah. Like it's not real dark ink and not real clean lines. Um, also, we find out right away that Wolverine is really cunning. Um, he kind of, kind of comes up with a whole uh, spur of the moment plan to use the Hulk to help him defeat Wendigo so he can take that out before he attacks the Hulk again. Poor Hulk. So, yeah. <laughs> so we keep, we see kind of Wolverine's strategy skills right away. And we see he has really good endurance based on the comment I mentioned about the six hours. We know that Wolverine pretty much fights all night. Like from when he starts at that six hours until the sun comes up. And I meant to bring, and I'll talk about it here. I'll do a little extra thing on the end after we're done. Wolverine's next appearance is only on one page in in Incredible Hulk 182. Hmm. And it talks about how the sun is up, and so the Canadian Air Force is going to come get him now. (laughs) (laughs) And so we know that he literally fights the whole six hours, like nonstop. So we get a good idea of his endurance. Um... And I was kind of surprised. Um, I wasn't sure if we would get this or not. We, we actually are stated that he's a mutant. I wasn't sure if that would be retconned when he came to the X-Men or not. But the guys in the Canadian base, when they're talking about him, talk about a mutant with speed, strength, and savagery that, was tra- that they have melded into a warrior. Well, that's Wolverine. That's Wolverine. And there's also a reference to he might have some psychological kinks. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Two things I didn't expect to get so early. I kind of really thought when uh, Lynn Wine carried him over to the X-Men team that he created, he would just say, oh, I got this cool character without an origin. Let's just make him a mutant. Yeah. But no, he's actually mentioned as a mutant here. So either they knew they were going to transition this character to the X-Men or... You know, and I'm wondering, and I I don't know if you'll know this or not. I know there were some mutants introduced in the Marvel Universe outside of X-Men. But I wonder who the first one was. Not not counting like Neymar. This is kind of a different kind of mutant. Yes, yeah, he's kind of been retconned into a mutant uh, yeah. because he's a, a different but species. That's, not really, that's a human. different kind of mutant. Um, I don't know, because I know point. you have a couple of guys that showed up in Spider-Man. Like, I think, is it Puma? I mean, I don't remember. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Maybe not. I think he has some... Oh, he's got, like, mystical powers. Yeah, something mystical. Okay. I know Spider-Man fought a couple mutants early on, but I don't know if it was before this or not. I can't remember. I feel like the X-Men were the first. Well, yeah. Okay. 
Well, yeah, but they're the X Men were already established by this point. Yeah, I was just wondering. Oh, you mean mutant. Like, who was the first mutant introduced outside of the X Men bubble? So you're post X Men, but yes. Oh, okay, I thought you meant before the X Men comics themselves. Oh no no. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. So, anyway, we're also yeah. given Wolverine's <clears throat> exact height. He's five five. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny and specific. Um. Okay, so. Those are the things we know. Uh, ostensibly missing from that list, uh, no healing factor at this point. Yeah, they don't mention that any. So I don't know. When we get that really soon into X-Men, I'm not exactly sure. I'll probably... My plan is to go read kind of the first little bit of chronology with Wolverine and see where that kind of pops up the first time, but... But in his first appearance, there is no healing factor mentioned, which I guess kind of explains why Hulk was able to knock him out so quickly. Makes sense. Um, that's really kind of the only thing I thought that was like... The only thing that I always think of when I think of about Wolverine that was just noticeably absent. Was there anything else that you... They didn't mention... I don't remember them mentioning his bones being adamantium, but no, they make they a reference don't. to how heavy he is. Right. When they're pulling okay. him. So there's a suggestion there that there's more to be. him. Right. Yeah. I, otherwise, I don't know why he would be so heavy. Right. Or why they would mention that. Well, he's a short, squatty guy. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it does... And no bub. He doesn't say bub. Yeah, that's why the colloquialism. And all his chatter, there's no bub. Yeah, there's no bub. There's no... Even the names he calls him are not the kind of... No, they're very... Gritty Wolverine names. Comic right. Yeah, they're yeah. very 60s, 70s, kind of almost Spider-Man-ish kind of yes. comic. Yeah, very Spider-Man-ish and very kind of... Yeah, it's funny because he's kind of savage. And he does. You do see some of the, like ferocity of Wolverine which I was glad I was afraid being in a 70s Hulk comic it'd be kind of wimpy yeah but it's weird because he actually get like a mix of like brutal but then the light hearted kind of witty banter comments yeah but you know I feel like some of that still carries through I don't feel like he's as jokey as Spider-Man now but he's still he's still kind of a smart ass yeah so he likes to talk a little smack. Yeah, he's just a little meaner. About yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not the kind of smart ass, I guess, of right. Spider Man. You know, just kind of the real, I don't know, cheesy but but almost kind of assy way Spider Man right. jokes with people. His is more of a intimidation. Yeah, just kind of an you know, dim, yeah, intimidation, smack talking wrestler type thing. Right. Not not quite wrestling. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so anything else you want to? Well, I was just gonna say I think you're you're onto something with this this idea that Wolverine feels like he's already a packaged character, like because my 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 uh, going into this, I thought that it was going to be like like you said, just kind of a simple a simplistic character that someone came up with for this story for this story to kind of do something with. But when you kind of look at, like you said, all the stuff that they put together in there, that they bring out, that eventually becomes part of his character, it does feel like someone had created a pretty complex character already. Right. That they were like, let's introduce him here and then do something else with him. Right. But you know, and to me, and maybe that's the reason why he's one of my favorites, 
the characters I love the most kind of come. You don't always get it right away, but you get the feeling that they were. There was always a little more to them from the get go. Yeah. You know, I feel like I don't know if you've ever read any of the really old Batman's, but even before we know his origin, you, there's a gravitas to him. Yeah. They're like you feel like there, there's more going on here than you get from every issue, and. And maybe they didn't, maybe they just got lucky, but it felt like they had something of a plan that they were going for. And yeah. obviously that's changed over what, like, gosh, what's Batman's like 60, 70 years old now? Yeah. Was it, it was in the, was it the 40s, late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. So. I think 39. I could be wrong, and I should know right that, to me. but I think it's 39. 39. Um, but yeah, and even like, like Spider Man is really complex right out of the gate. And to me, that's one of the things that reading the very first X-Men team, you kind of understand why that book struggled so much in the beginning because you don't get as much of that. Like they're kind of yeah. all just dorky teenagers who have powers and all the stories are kind of the same and you don't really know if they knew where they were going. Yeah. They don't really kind of figure it out, I don't think, until like the 40s of that book. Yeah. Maybe I think even a little later. I um, think once they There kind are good of... stories before that, but as far right. as like the whole series... Well, I think it was it was a while into the series before I think they really started catching on to the kind of more cultural connotation of right. mutants as a civil rights movement. Right, you right. Know, t- no, tapping into that. And I think that's, that's when they the made 50s. themselves... Yeah, yeah. That's when they made themselves relevant, I right. think. And that made them all more than just teenagers with powers. They became this this community of people, right? That I uh, just added a lot to them. I think I agree. You know, it's yeah. funny. I listened to a. Uh, you probably actually enjoy this if you ever want to check it out. Uh, it's a podcast called Danger Room, and they started X Men One and go through and oh, that's cool. Kind of do all the issues, and it's funny. <laughs> and I've talked about this before. Uh, actually, sent them an email about it um, because this happened in uh, one of the AVX related stories. But um, like the first, I don't remember exactly how many it is. They can tell me. But um, the first several issues, all the missions end with Professor X mind wiping the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> like the X Men can't do anything right, so the characters are just really kind of two dimensional. But yeah, I feel like we have obviously not as as complex as Wolverine gets because he really is one of the most complex characters. Yeah, definitely. Ever. From good and bad, he's got so many layers. But I feel like we definitely have a three-dimensional character right out of the gate. And that's kind of a nice segue. Um, Reading this, do you feel like this is a fitting first appearance for Wolverine? Does it satisfy what you love about the character as a first appearance? Yes, for the most part. I don't... I don't like Sasquatch as a character, so in that way, it's it's a it's a good story, but it's I don't know I, I you know we mentioned before I'm not a huge Hulk fan, so right. But as far as the way he's presented, I, I do I think it's a good way to introduce Wolverine, and also to introduce him as right off the bat as a kind of anti-hero, which right. is kind of one of his one of the things that's so compelling about him anyway. Right is that he, he's introduced as neither a bad guy or a good guy. Right. He's just a guy. He's just a guy who working shows for the up, government. Who's savage, but 
you don't really know you don't really know what he's doing or why he's doing it, which is, you know, <laughs> well, kind of classic. Well, he's just following orders. At well, this yeah, point. the government sends him in to do what? I mean, to stop Hulk, I guess, but he doesn't really stop Hulk. <laughs> not his mission all, he had, knocked his, out. His mission had nothing to do with Sasquatch, but he ends up Wendigo. Cho- Wendigo I mean, and yeah. he ends up, I told you I confused. Wendigo. <laughs> so it's like, what, what, what was this character doing? But that's just, it's just Wolverine. Right. He's the best, the best, best there is at yeah, what he best does. Best there is at doing which, what he does. That's which I want to, I want to know when that first comes <laughs> up too. That would be a good that's, thing. That's to a know. mission of mine as well. Yeah, because it's some, it's funny how often that gets dragged back into the story. Right. Writers love to do that. Writers love throwing that in there. <laughs> um, but but yeah. yeah, I agree. I feel like it's a, uh, it's a very appropriate first appearance for Wolverine. Um, yeah, you get a lot of pointer signs to what he's gonna be. And there's nothing that happens that's like, oh, man, I'm glad they ha- figured that out and changed that. Like, right. there's no, like, slapping my head moments. With impossible exception of the claws never going in. <laughs> right. But they don't right. do anything with that. It's just. Right. Like, and they don't say that they can't. They just right. don't ever show it. But that also, to me, explains why they're so damn big. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also fighting the whole time. True, and so and, there know, is an, there, and that's, that is a good way to retcon it. Yeah. Like when, when you determine that they can go in, you say, well, he didn't want to bring them in. Right, because there's no, there's no sitting around and chatting in this for right. Wolverine. He's fighting six hours You thought maybe being in chains would have been a good time to... to Although in that, yeah, they're up. still out. Unless he's trying to cut the tell, chains. I wasn't sure about this one, but he's blocked off. Yeah, but he could be trying to cut the chains, so maybe there's... yeah. Again, seeing that he breaks apart, so maybe he uses the claws in that. Right. Okay, so you had mentioned a little bit the difference in this, this very slight, but still different variation of the costume. But let's say we had to buy these in real time. Okay. Okay. So you get issue 180, and you have one panel of Wolverine. How cool is that first panel? And to the best of your knowledge, eliminate what you know about Wolverine would you want to see him in the next issue or not? I think so. Okay. I think looking back from a from the future, the face looks smashed. <laughs> yeah. Like he doesn't have a nose almost. Right. But I think overall, he still looks pretty badass. Even with yes. the bone looking claws and the, <laughs> even the, the you know, the, the wimpier parts of it that later will get much more hardcore. But it's still Cool, and then jump to the next panel, the first page of the next book, and you know he looks even cooler. Right. Although I kind of think they will go back and forth with this face. And do they? If you notice throughout the yes, book, yes, they kind of do. It gets lighter and thinner and darker. It has a nose there. Yeah. I kind of like this one a little bit better because it looks like he has whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like he has whiskers. And he kind of has cat eyes too. When they show the pupils, it makes them look. He actually looks like a Wolverine animal. Yeah. In that one, whereas in this one, it just looks like more of the mask. And I gotta say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the big fins, but I also re- kind of like the little fins here. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you don't you don't lose any. I mean, the big fins are cool too, but you don't lose anything with that. Yeah. But I think the big fins. The big fins come with the hair. Yes. And in this one, he never has his mask off, so we never see the classic Wolverine hair. Right. 
And then I think once you transition to the, we're also looking at Wolverine number one on the table here. Where he's, <laughs> yes. and he has no mask and he's just got the, you know, the giant hair. The for, super for anime hairs. hair for Wolverine. On that yeah. one. Um, okay. And so talking about whether we thought, I'm going to, I'm going to say based on the yellow and blue coloring, that's not a coincidence. So I'm going to say, I think that is kind of a sign that maybe they knew he was going to be an X-Man. Yeah. Because it's a very X-Men looking uniform. I didn't didn't think of that immediately. I I didn't really either until just now, honestly. Um, Yeah, that's a a good point. Because what other reason would they do that? Because his name's Wolverine. Right. So it seems like the natural thing would be a brown Brown or or black or something. Reddish, orange, something like that. The 80s Wolverine costume. Yes. That that look. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Maybe... Maybe right off the bat, this is the idea that eventually he's going to be an X-Men. Right. And, and that was your symbol that he was probably going to be a good guy. That too. To some degree. Yeah, because bad guys are always purple and green. That's right. <laughs> um, I made a note that on page 20, you'd actually kind of made fun of this, but I thought that we got a really good picture of what his claws were supposed to look like back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good picture. They're just really wide, but that—that that yeah. was the—I think they were supposed to be. But they're a lot flatter, even in that one, from the underside than they look with the real curvy. Because on this one, they look flatter and sharper too. Yeah. Whereas See, those, that's what look, I was saying. Those this. actually look like fingernails. Right. That's what oh. I was saying in this at the end of this one. They look like actual animal claws. Right. Whereas in here, it gets more metallic looking. Which I forgot to mention. I told you this before we started and then forgot about it. I wanted to comment that the Wendigo had a perfect manicure. <laughs> yeah, he did. No no claws like we get from John Byrne. But, uh, yeah, well, he's, he's like you said, he's not he's not monsterish in, in this. He looks no. like just a... It looks like Beast, actually, from X-Men. Yeah, it kind of does, it's yeah. Just a, a white like Beast. A, a real human face with a lot of fur. Snow Beast, Snow we could beast. call him. Snow Beast. Snow Cat. A little G.I. Joe reference for you. <laughs> um, Keep going. All right, so his attitude. I'll, I'll say this, and you can uh, say if you agree or disagree. I thought, well, on the whole, the dialogue was a little cheesy. Yeah. That kind of the bad attitude fits the rough and gruff Wolverine that we know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, okay. it, the dialogue is, I mean, it's it's the 70s, so right. it's going to be cheesy. Yes. You just kind of have to accept that. And Hulk, especially because of all the third person stuff. <laughs> right. All that, Hulk get mad. All that nonsense. Hulk get strong. <laughs> so I think... It, for Wolverine, the kind of character he is, that's about as good as I think you could really get in the 70s of having someone to be a bad attitude. This is before they can really curse. Right. So, you know. Before they can even really fake curse. Right. <laughs> so really this is, the best you're going to get is some slightly rude right. descriptions of someone, you know. Right. So I think that's, they do as, as good a job as they probably could have making him be a bad, have a bad attitude. And because he's not supposed to be a bad guy. So he right. can't really be mean. Right. Because the 70s, obviously, good guys and bad guys. No, yeah. You, definitely you, more black and white. Right. We haven't developed the, you know, we haven't got to the 90s yet. <laughs> no one's good or bad. Right. Um, okay, so we talked about the physical possibility without the healing factor that, that Hulk can maybe get a sucker punch in. But accepting or not accepting that, either way, does it bother you that Wolverine got punked like he did? 
you feel like that detracts from the character that he kind of basically got bitch slapped out of the fight. Yeah, a little bit, I yeah, think. Yeah, it does me too. Because <laughs> it doesn't, it just, it's not, it doesn't happen to Wolverine. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> he's the best he there is than right. what he does. So, yeah, that, that's that's a, that's kind of a letdown, I think. Yeah, it was. comes on so ferociously, and then it's like, oh, he's knocked out. And especially, obviously, this is a podcast about Wolverine. We've already talked about it being one of our favorite characters. Yeah. I didn't expect for him to win in a Hulk book. I mean, it is still the Hulk's comic book. Right. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I expected more of the modern twist where he's kind of fighting and getting tired of each other. And <laughs> yeah. I wonder, and this is a silly question, but in this context, for a six-hour battle... Why doesn't the Hulk just hop away? Because <laughs> he was too mad. Hulk has a temper problem. <laughs> I guess that's this it. This guy's bugging him. He's got to put him in his place. But if you have this guy who's, you know, I guess he's not really defeating the Hulk, but yeah. Though you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself. They really a little look bit. like whiskers right there. Yeah, they do. And what if he's, he's like <laughs> a little sideways? In fact, this looks like Puma. Like you were talking about earlier. Oh, you mentioned yeah, Spider-Man. This look that that the hat. Looks a little bit Puma-ish. We're on page 24 of the reprint if you're trying to follow along at home. Um, but you want to contradict something I said a second ago just a little bit. It does. It still bothers me, but there's one positive from Wolverine getting punked. It's that we're in a time period, and you still see this some today, but especially in the 70s, it was like all the time, of the heroes fight each other over a disagreement, and then they realize they're on the same team. <laughs> and they become best friends and fight the bad guy. So in that yeah. regard, at least him getting knocked out is not that bullcrap. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So okay, so I wrote a question, but I didn't write the right notes with it. I asked if we agree with why they say he's so popular of a character, but I didn't write the reasons why they said. <laughs> I think oh oh because Chris Claremont and this thing in the back, I remember. He's he decided that the reason people love Wolverine is because. He did the things that we don't feel comfortable doing and because he's an anti-hero and because he's kind of a... Chris Claremont refers to him as kind of psychopathic, a psychopath trying to be a hero. Hmm. So do you, do you, first of all, do you agree with that? And second of all, do you think that's his appeal? I don't really agree with that. I don't okay. really think Wolverine is a psychopath. Now, I do think he's, I think the the appeal for Wolverine, and I think this is why in the 80s he becomes a big thing, and then especially in the 90s, the 2000s, is that you have this character who's almost the underdog, even though he's more powerful than everyone. Right. Right? So he always kind of plays this character. In the 80s, is all about the underdog, right? Revenge of the Nerds, all those movies. It's, all about, <laughs> it's about the underdog. Rocky, fool, Rocky. <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. Rocky, any of those guys. It's about the underdog prevailing against the you know oppressor, whatever. Right. So Wolverine is kind of that guy. But he's also such a badass that it, it appeals to underdogs like us. Right. <laughs> nerds. Small nerds, you know. Um so you have this kind of so so within that though he he is such a badass but he he's not a psychopath because I, I think psychopath gives the connotation of someone who's, who's unhinged who's yeah unhinged who's who's killing for killing's sake 
And you never really get the feeling with Wolverine, or I should say, you rarely get the feeling with Wolverine that he's killing people to kill people. Right. There's almost always a point. He's defending somebody. He's stopping somebody. He's righting some wrong. You know, there's... Because he's still a hero. He's an anti-hero, but he's still a hero. Right. So that... In, in it, to me, it's similar why... The same reason why the Punisher was appealing in the 80s. And the Punisher disappears because I think he was too... Disappears is not the right word. But to me, in my mind... We well, did, he, he, he left for a while and then came back. He left for a while, but I guess, I mean, he becomes less popular, I think, when you get to the 90s. Because he, he's too militaristic and he's too tied to this specific idea of of uh, the Vietnam War and... and drug violence and things like that so right. he kind of gets he gets pigeonholed a little bit into that and he doesn't have superpowers and you know he's just, by this point he's just an old guy basically <laughs> especially if he was in Nam you know, like you right. I think a couple of podcasts ago you mentioned about you know what, what war is he in now is, <laughs> right. is he really this 70 year old guy that's that's out there still fighting I don't know maybe but but so Wolverine you have you, you have that same kind of appeal of being the guy who's willing to to fight dirty for the greater good. Kind of the end right. justifies the means type character. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, I, I don't I don't see him as a psychopathic character. And right. I think... And it's funny though that one of the guys who probably contributed most to who we know as Wolverine sent us what he thought of him as. It's yeah. a weird kind of... Now it could be that Chris Claremont is using psychopath loosely. Right. And, and meaning the fact that he kills a lot of people. Well, and he said, and I guess you... And, Honestly, I need to reread the first part of his run and see if I can get some of the things he was kind of trying to point to. But he says he wanted the reader to feel like Wolverine can kind of get mad at the foot of a hat and like, even if one of his teammates said something into him in the wrong way, they could get cut. Yeah. And he wanted that tension in the team. That Wolverine was unpredictable and not a team player. And I definitely got the not a team player part. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, he butted heads with all the X-Men from the get-go. Right. He was always kind of an outcast on his own team. I think if you... I guess if you focus on the berserker rage element... Right. In that context, you could make a good argument that he becomes a psychopath yeah. in that context. But they don't do much with that anymore. No, they don't. And it's funny because John Byrne was saying that there was a scene he always wanted to do that the editors wouldn't let him. That, <laughs> that he wanted Wolverine to be sitting at the mansion eating breakfast and Kenny Pride walk in and say something to him and he just turns around and cuts her in half. <laughs> And then, and then goes right back to eating breakfast. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm with you. I don't know exactly what they meant by psychopath. But even to me, that's not. You know, there's there's been a story in X Force the last few issues and the last couple episodes I've talked about that to me kind of sum up the appeal of Wolverine. And to me, what what's most cool about Wolverine is is yes the anti-hero and the underdog but also like the nurture versus nature or the deciding who you're gonna be like yeah. willpower over upbringing or whatever because you have this guy who comes out of Weapon X and is found in the jungle as just basically an animal Yeah, and he still has those instincts and he still does have that 
ferocious side to him, but he's chosen the path of like like the samurai stuff, and even being an X Men, and and now in current continuity, you know, being the headmaster of the school, like all these ways that, and I don't think he's trying, you know, some writers write it as him trying to balance the scales. Yeah, like he's trying to do enough good to make up for all the bad things, and I think that's a good story to a point. But I don't. I like it better when people play it off as more of a. He knows what he could be if he didn't discipline himself, but he he chooses the path of honor, and yeah, sometimes he slips from it, and that's what makes him interesting and compelling, because we all don't move up to everything we want to be either, and. I think that kind of ties into the other dog too, thing too. So I'm not yeah. saying anything against what you said. Yeah. But, but to me, the whole like, kind of, I don't know. You have stories of like, the samurai dog. You know, like the character who shouldn't be a samurai but becomes one. Right. And to me, that kind of encapsulates what Wolverine is about: a guy who is more honorable and more has more character and integrity than maybe he should. Yeah. But he always strives for it. And I don't know, that's... Yeah, that's a good... I think that's a good way to think about him. I think that's a better way to think about him. No offense, Chris Claremont. But <laughs> Well, and, and I think Claremont hit on that some. Yeah. And it's almost like, like you said, it's almost... It's almost like he's mastered the berserker. Right. That's maybe the way to think about it. That's why even now, when in stories where he goes berserk, it's not all the time, and because he's kind of has that discipline, it means more. Right. And it actually kind of scares you a little bit as a reader. You're like, "Whoa!" (laughs) Right. He literally goes a little nuts. It must be really, really bad because he he kind of had this under control, and now he doesn't. Yeah. I'll also say those they all send to there. I also think one of the other things that I would why I would disagree with the psychopath aspect of this is I think a lot of what Wolverine symbolizes as well especially now that you get into this period of controlling the berserker rage right so now the violence Wolverine becomes a lot more about redemptive violence yes like that his violence is a way of seeking redemption and justice and justice right so he's he's it's justice for the present, but it's also a redemption for the past, right? And you kind of play the, okay, the balance, so. but I think there's more, the balance out is kind of a, a almost a, a karmic, like I'll do some good things and some bad things and that's going to be okay. It'll, right. it'll bounce out. But I think the redemption, the redemptive violence, I think is a better, a better metaphor in the fact that it's, it's this idea that he's, he's doing this violence as a way to redeem himself for the past, for what yeah. he did before, when he wasn't being as good. And when people write the balance well, it's more, it's less about him having a totality of actions, good or bad, but more about him trying to redeem himself into a good person. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Well, anything else about that? No, I guess not. Well, a little moments. Um, Original Lee Dave Cockrum, he was one of the original or one of the old, not original from the original original, but one of the old, really old X-Men writers who contributed to Wolverine's creation somewhat, wanted him to be a werewolf-type character who is a brother to a female vampire who are going to be X-Men. Interesting. (laughs) So thank goodness we did not get that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hope somebody fired that guy. Oh, no, and he actually wrote a lot no, no, of I'm good stuff. Kidding. But that was not one of his better ideas. Um, but if you're going to get fired for anything, that would be a good one to get fired for. <laughs> I wrote a thing here. Let's see if I can actually find it. On page 44, they talk about why they chose him to be Canadian. That also adds to the underdog, I think. Yeah, I think it does, too. And I don't know if that's why they said that, but I think that... Okay, so it said, we believe that Wolverine's sense of... T- All right. Well, here, I'm just going to read this paragraph, if you don't mind. Um, you can interrupt me if you want to. Uh, this is uh, Wine talking, and he says, I went out and read up about Wolverines and found out that they're short, nasty creatures who have no qualms about attacking beasts ten times their size, like a Hulk, to protect their young and to protect their territory. Wynn believed that Wolverine's sense of territoriality fitted well with Canadian feelings of nationalism, especially those of French Canadians. At this time in the 70s, there was a strong separatist movement among many French Canadians who wanted their section of the country to become independent from the rest of Canada. And when even considered going that far and making Wolverine French-Canadian, in which case one might assume that Wolverine would speak French from time to time. And this is, of course, before Alpha Flight. And he didn't know at that time... Oh, this answers the question, kind of opposite of what we thought. Wynn did not know at this time that he would end up co-creating the new X-Men. Oh, well, maybe, maybe it doesn't. But he was aware that an international team of X-Men was being planned, and he decided to make Wolverine a mutant so that he could be used as a member of this new X-Men team if they wanted him to. Huh. So, there you go. So he was... He was trying to sell Wolverine to the X-Men yeah, people. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> Interesting. I like the idea. I, I read that and kind of forgot. I like the idea of they actually use the attributes of a Wolverine animal into his character. Yeah. Wolverine's not French-Canadian, though. No, he's not. Okay. No, they said they thought about making I see, movie. I see. To tie into that. That's funny because we made a joke about Quebec separatists <laughs> just earlier in the podcast. Oh, and also, I made a note at uh, some point. I won't find it and read it <laughs> verbatim again. But he talks about part of the reason they decided to go completely against the claws being part of the gloves mm-hmm. is because then they felt like anybody could put the gloves on and be Wolverine. Yeah. And they they wanted Wolverine to be a character that nobody else could be. That's a, so, good, that's a good point. Yeah. And what, what is, I mean, you take the claws away, and if there's no healing factor yet, He's just a guy. Well, he's a guy with a pissy attitude. With fancy gloves. <laughs> he's just a guy with a bad attitude and some hardcore gloves. Right. <laughs> hardcore gloves. Though I would say it'd be a good what if and just have some like, I don't know, wimpy hero get the gloves <laughs> and run around trying to be Wolverine. That would be funny. Um, let's see. Oh, I also talked about how when they first introduced him to the X-Men, at first, he was as young as all the other characters. In fact, his original age was thought to be somewhere around 19. That's interesting. Yeah, so obviously, without the healing factor, he wouldn't have the slow aging. So yeah. He would not have been, he was almost not nearly as old, and I think that would have taken away from the character quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm glad they changed this another moment. I think he wouldn't, he wouldn't be nearly as good of a character. I think that's part of his appeal is that he has seen so much and been through so much right. that, that it gives him, it gives him the perspective that the other X-Men didn't often have. Right. It gives him that percept, the perspective 
not quite of a Charles Xavier because obviously he's Charles Xavier, but but that uh, that kind of older, I don't know. I've I've seen this before. We we've right. been here before. Kind of attitude about a lot well, of things. And it allows him because I think one of the coolest things about Wolverine is it's kind of been a, a carousel rotation of characters, but. And this might sound a little bit creepy in today's context, but he, so I'll, I'm going to say this as creepy as possible, just just to go with it. He's always a father figure to a little girl, <laughs> but no, but it's always very sincere, and that's always one of the things that I thought was really cool about Wolverine. Because you have Shadow Cat or Kitty Pride, uh, Jubilee. Um, his Japanese daughter in Japan, who's actually his daughter. Um, and there's other characters I can't think of right away, but that have kind of been yeah. that, I don't know, if you make him as young as everybody, he can't kind of be the, the guy that takes people under his wing. And right. Well, he also gets to function as, as kind of the foil to Charles Xavier's idealism and the rest of the X-Men's young, naivety. immature, yeah, yeah, naivete, enthusiasm. Right. And he kind of gets to be that character that Magneto kind of is when Magneto's around, but he's a bad guy. Right. Right. So, the, you know, the, 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 the yin and yang of, of Professor X and Magneto, when they later develop that, that kind of relationship, right. develop the, their prehistory. Um, but so Wolverine plays that. He gets to play that foil part, you know, because he's not idealistic like Xavier. He doesn't believe... I mean, he believes in what Xavier's doing, but he's skeptical about some of it. He's skeptical about what they can ultimately accomplish. He, you he's know? not a sunshine and rainbow optimist. Right. Yeah. Which I think makes him more compelling because yes, for Magneto, who believes they can't accomplish that, so he goes the other way. He says, screw it, let's, you know enslave the humans and yeah, be, be the really, master race I mean, or whatever. It like sounded said, a lot more Nazi-ish than, than he would like to sound <laughs> you know, as a Holocaust survivor. He would definitely have a problem with <laughs> he that. He would not like that. But. <laughs> but no, I think you hit it right on the head that, you know, because one of the biggest things about Professor X and Magneto is they are just opposite sides of the same coin. Right. And even in his villainy, I think there is a certain amount of optimism to Magneto. Yeah, he yeah he's kind of idealistic way. too. Yeah, in, yes. a, in a different, it's a different idealism, but yeah. And then Wolverine is is neither. I mean, he's kind of that guy that's that doesn't really believe ultimately they can achieve, but still wants to fight for it because he thinks it's the right thing. Right. That's what he wants, even though he's not. Almost he's like he's skeptical. fighting to make something that he doesn't know if it can happen or not, but. Yeah, you know, the hell if he's not going to try, kind of right. thing. Right. It gives him a an, an air of tragic. Yeah. A tragic character, which is another, this is why oh, Wolverine, Wolverine is the greatest character of all time. A lot of tragedy. Yeah, and there's tons of tragedy, but, you know, just broadly, that this, yeah, this is his character. Just that fight, that constant search for redemption, the search for his past. You know, I think, I don't remember if it was on the air, but when you read that part about about how... Oh, you, you did. I mean, it's the beginning when they talk about, will we ever know Wolverine's oh, past? Maybe it's right. better if we don't. <clears throat> Which I think is probably one of the dangers that that Marvel faced when they decided to do the origin series. They tried to get into that, but I felt like that they handled that well enough that huh. it only added to his character. Well, a, it was a great story. Yeah, 
It was fantastic. And B, I think it only worked because they waited so long to do it. Right. And I think I think I've even read them or read that they've said that. Yeah. But it only worked because you had so many years of mystery. And it also only like works because it doesn't explain everything. Yeah. There are still pockets that yeah, we don't still know. Yeah, there's still hundred years at least. And even if you take it that Wolverine got all of his memories back after House of M, which according to one of the most recent storylines, there are some things that were blocked even from that. Yeah. But, but even if he has it all, we don't as a reader. So right. there's still lots of exploration yeah, there's still plenty they can do with it. And they didn't do anything... Interestingly, they didn't do anything that that ruined anything about his character. No. It kept all the same attributes. It, you know, Nothing really changed. All, all you really found out is that actually he has a whole lot more tragedy than we thought. Right. You know? It's not <laughs> like... We already thought he had a lot. <laughs> right. It's not like, oh, actually he had this perfect life and everything was great and then right. a Weapon X ruined him. You know, but it's like it's just endless series of tragedy and this really long life and rich history of someone who's just experienced death and tragedy at every turn. Right. But still going back to that idea that, that he still wants to fight for the good, right? right? He still wants to fight, you know, make, make up for his past mistakes and build the future professor X wants, even if he's not quite sure if they can get it. Right. Okay. Um, I did find a quote to explain what Chris Claremont did mean by psychotic. He said it was the restraint that makes Wolverine a hero. So it's his restraining himself that that's why he's a hero. Otherwise, he would just be a villain. Yeah, so. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. No offense, Chris Claremont. Well, it's hard to argue with him because he, I mean, Wolverine is what Wolverine is because of Chris Claremont and True. John Byrne. In fact, there's even a quote that says I'm that John probably Byrne... probably committing heresy by even suggesting that right. I disagree with him. <laughs> well, you know, it's fine. Uh, but they, it's funny because they say that John Byrne... The reason he went Wolverine became so dominant in the X-Men run that him and Claremont did is, is because John Byrne's Canadian and he <laughs> he kind of played favorites with Wolverine and right. he wanted to draw him the most so he, him and Chris yeah. put him in the stories more. <laughs> That's funny. And so that worked out we for may us. only like Wolverine because John Byrne was a knucklehead. How about that? How about that? Okay, well, um, I have a little game we're going to play, but before we get to it, anything you want to say other than a closing thought, which we'll do after the game? Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Then we're going to do a, a quick game, and hopefully it will be fun. If it's not, then maybe I'll just erase it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to play, because this book that we read came out in the late summer of 1974. All right. That's when Wolverine first appeared. So, because Wolverine loves to fight, we're going to play Wolverine versus 1974. (laughs) So I'm going to give you some items from 74, and you're going to tell me whether Wolverine wins, loses, or ties against these items. Okay. So, the IRA bombs the Tower of London. (laughs) Come out of the bat real serious, right out of the gate. Is Wolverine cooler than the IRA bombing the Tower of London? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that's... I also think he could take the IRA. 
Yes. If he needed to. And should. That's, in the Marvel U, he should take them out. Yeah. Him and Banshee. There you go. Okay. Richard Nixon resigns. Is Wolverine cooler than Richard Nixon resigning? Not I think it's more good historically that, important. But. Well, the question, I guess, is it is it good? Do I is it better than Nixon resigning? Nixon resigning was a good thing, right? You know, arguably, I guess, depending on your perception of Nixon. But um, I would still say Wolverine is cooler. But I <laughs> Wolverine do think, is cooler than I'm not a crook. <laughs> true. But the Watergate scandal probably has much longer-lasting real-time effects on, oh, yes. on our politics well, and, and society. Real world. <laughs> so and it is real. A little hard to compare. Okay, well, segueing from that, President Ford pardons Nixon. Is Wolverine Cooler, does he win that battle? I would say yes, although as a historian, I believe Gerald Ford did the right thing by pardoning Nixon. But yes. Okay, is Wolverine cooler or lamer than a 55 mile per hour speed limit that was imposed <laughs> on the nation in 1974? He's definitely cooler because that's a lame speed limit. So does that mean Sammy Hagar's a Wolverine fan? <laughs> I, I can't drive 55. So they added to the top of the Sears Tower to make it the world's tallest building in 74. Cool, but Wolverine is still cooler. <laughs> if they had made it taller by putting three Wolverine claws extending from the top of the building, <laughs> then they would win. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one... You might, you might struggle with this one. Uh-oh. Okay. West Germany wins the World Cup... In West Germany. Whew. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> if I was German and if I knew German, anybody on that team. <laughs> yeah. If I was a German national or a soc a big fan of seventy soccer, yes. I'd probably have to say that. But since I'm neither of those things, I'm gonna go for Wolverine. <laughs> okay. I, I I had that one as a tie. Yeah. Um okay. Uh, Wolverine or the ubiquitous UPC code that was invented in 1974. That's that's when that was invented. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, well, that was so just cool. as a reprint, so it probably wasn't on the first one. Right, but um, I'm still gonna say Wolverine because UPC codes are ugly. I don't know. We couldn't buy anything without them. Why not? You can still type the numbers in. Okay. All right. Well, just, I will. You'll be able Wolverine to buy things too. just slightly slower. <laughs> Okay, the three big movies of 74, in my opinion, of the list of the list that was up for Best Picture. We have The Sting, Exorcist, and Godfather 2. And Godfather 2 won Oscar for the best pick. So, would you rather have Godfather 2 or Wolverine as a comic character? Oh, that's a tough one. Godfather 2 is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> yes, it is. But Wolverine's one of the greatest characters of all time. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Wolverine because Godfather 2 gave us Godfather 3, ah. which took a greatest movie of all time and transitioned it into a terrible <laughs> bum trilogy. Right. Whereas Wolverine has only gotten better. Mostly, yes. 
Wow. <laughs> he's had his slumps. Yeah, I guess that's true. There was the the solo series in the late nineties was kind of piss poor at times. Oh, but they never they never recovered the Godfather series. That's we'll true. Put it that way. That's true. Only on Thanksgiving Day marathons. That's right. There you go. Okay. Um in the US in nineteen seventy four we had what was known as the super outbreak of tornadoes, where there were one hundred and forty eight tornadoes in the US that year. Wow. I think Wolverine is cooler than a country getting ripped <laughs> apart by tornadoes. <laughs> I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, the top song in the nation that year, according to Billboard, was The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. Oh, my if you pick Wolver, If you pick Barbara Streisand over Wolverine, <laughs> then this, this episode is over. Yeah, no, definitely Wolverine. Okay, but other big songs were Benny and the Jets. Jungle Boogie, sunshine on my shoulder makes me happy. He's shaking his head at me, and he should. Uh, <laughs> Band on the Run, which <laughs> screw McCartney the after the Beatles. <laughs> I agree. With I don't that. care how much crap I take from that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, time in a Bottle and Steve Miller's The Joker, which <sighs> if we were talking about the Joker, the comic character. Uh, they they might have to arm wrestle each other for that. Yeah. But um, but no, the the Steve Miller song. No. Okay, but the Grammy song of the year went to "Killing Me Softly," which I thought was interesting. Since Wolverine kills people, but not so softly. Not softly. <laughs> Very rarely does he kill someone softly. Okay, but the official call: "Killing Me Softly" or Wolverine. Wolverine. Yes, definitely. All, all of those songs. None of those songs stand up to Wolverine. Although okay. I still like Jungle Boogie from our old college and Wolverine days. might pick this next one over himself. <laughs> but Wolverine or Taste Great Less Filling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go for Wolverine. Because that's, that's a Miller slogan, right? Yeah, Miller Light. Yeah, and I don't like Miller. I don't either. And I don't like light. light beer, but I think Wolverine enjoys a light beer from time to time. I don't think so. I think he's a I think he's a regular beer kind of guy. He's a regular beer guy. I think he drinks Molson. Oh yeah. I did say one of my favorite lines in one of the recent issues of uh, Wolverine and the X Men. Um or maybe it was just Wolverine. Maybe it was just Wolverine. But a character comes into like one of his studies. And they ask him about his stash of micro brews, and they ask him if he has a <laughs> Shi'ar beer in there. <laughs> Which the beer snob in me rejoice greatly, is that? That's pretty good. Um, okay. Um, all right. Wolverine or Mama Cass dying? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about that. <laughs> no, we shouldn't, unless Wolverine killed her. Yeah. Right, I think um, it was I'm a ham sandwich. <laughs> I'm still going to say Wolverine because it's a sad thing that she died. Yes, it did. I would have. I could have handled more Mamas and Papas songs. Okay, Wolverine or Post-it notes? Still Wolverine, although I do like Post-it notes. I do too. Use them every day. They are useful and handy. Okay, and I saved the best or the toughest for last. Though not this particular item, but what it's responsible for. Wolverine or... Or the original G.I. Joe Kung Fu Grip action figure. Wow. Because you know I love me some G.I. Joe figures. Now, I never had the Kung Fu Grip, but the ones in the 80s, which could not have happened without it. 
Yeah, that's the bigger GI Joes, though, right? The comfy grip one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, still that's the, the taller the, dolls. The doll, kid yeah. doll ones. Was the cartoon around before that toy? I don't know why I said before like that. But I don't think so. Was the comic around? When did the comic start? The comic, like our GI Joe comic at Marvel, didn't start in, was in the eighties. They I came think, out right? with the toys, like the original six. Yeah. The GI Joe number one had the had the original six in it. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. I'm still gonna say Wolverine. I am too. But But don't I'm not gonna, Joe. don't ask me to choose between G.I. Joe as a concept and Wolverine as a concept. <laughs> I agree. But I, I was still no, no long standing I'd take Wolverine. Yeah, definitely, because it's Wolverine's still awesome. Yeah. And G.I. Joe. Joe movies were not yeah. good. <laughs> and the new comics are okay, whatever. I don't read yeah, them anymore. I don't but I don't like what they did with them. Yeah. I don't so much either. That's for another podcast. But another I have podcast. a whole, I have a whole debate know. over the or whole <laughs> disagreement with their theory behind them. Right. I guess uh, closing thoughts. Then, do you have anything you want to want to say about Wolverine's first appearance as we kind of get ready to wrap up? Just that Wolverine is still the best character. Yeah. And it was a good, good first appearance. I agree. I agree. It was actually, I think, a really good first appearance. And yeah. And to I, to go back to say something we already said, but to say it again, it's amazing how much was already there. Yeah. Like just, yeah. just to go, even from like, you know, that I mean, we mentioned earlier the Sabretooth first appearance that I have an Iron Fist. And, right. And a lot of the other first appearances you get where guys kind of show up with a, you know, halfway thought out backstory and kind of a one-dimensional view of what they can do and then they grow over time and right. although Wolverine's grown over time certainly it is it is interesting looking at this and seeing how much was already there like how much was thought out right that that I think they didn't they didn't abandon they didn't really abandon anything I mean they, they changed a few things like the claws we mentioned but right. they didn't really it wasn't anything like where they were like well actually this is totally different Right, you know this actually. He's no, not I really, this I really place. feel like all they did was add two. They didn't really have to change anything. Yeah, the original idea was the original concept was was good. It's so really was, the only thing I feel like they've ever. The only I feel like major retcon in all of Wolverine's history, which is a pretty big deal because he's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. is and some people would argue this. I personally feel like the Bone Claw was a retcon. I, it's, a, it's a retcon I'm okay with. I like it, but I don't. There's too many issues before they revealed that when Wolverine was a flashback and didn't have claws. Yeah. And you can say he just didn't bring them out. He never popped them, but then you're a little. The evidence is a little hard pressed that the, the bone claw wasn't a pretty significant retcon. But that's really the only one, I think, in his whole storied history that. Yeah. It's like I, a I major change going backwards. I I think that's that's accurate. I think, and I, we've had that bone call discussion before. Yeah, I years. wasn't super stoked about it when it first happened, but the origins series really sold me on that. I would agree with that because I always thought it was kind of dumb, honestly, before just the, the idea that because claws aren't bone anyway, so it's just kind of the idea that he has these <laughs> fingernails, these random protruding <laughs> bones. 
that well, what would they do? Bones break. It's not like you can fight with that, really. Right. I mean, it's it was I also that was a really weird thing. But that moment in Origins where those pop out, where they pop that's, out, that is something. And else. he's in that crazy nightgown. It's just <laughs> that's such an amazing well, that's, comic moment. Yeah, and I, like, I, I didn't. I'm, I mean, okay we're nowhere it. near that issue right now, and I can see it very clearly in my head. That's one yeah. of those things. There are certain images in comic history that just don't ever. If you really care about the medium, they don't leave your consciousness, and that's yeah, definitely one. That's of them. definitely one of them. That one in in Cobra Commander in issue one hundred. That's yes. one of my great ones where he unveils the 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 uh, cloth hood and he's he's back. It's right. classic. Oh, man, you're gonna make me. I wonder if anyone does a GI Joe podcast from like the original through the. I'm not going. I don't have time, but somebody should if they're not. Yeah, I would be. I would be interested in that. Okay, well, maybe we'll think about it. If we could find someone, if we could put together all of them. I don't know if we have all of them between the two of us. We might. We might close between to the it. two of us. I have like one through Not 84, the later parts. And then I get, yeah. I have pretty big chunks of holes after 100. I don't yeah. have much of anything after 100. Yeah, I think I have up to about 110. And then it start. That's when it starts getting weird. They started right. entering, adding all the, well, the, and, the stuff that was toys first. And then they right. added it into the comic. So I don't have many of like the Ninja Squad got, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's funny stuff. because I was such a big Ninja fan, but they they tried their best to ruin it. Yeah, it was <laughs> too much. I mean, you already had Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, who were right. incredible characters. Yes, and you got the crazy Kung Fu guy. What was his name? Quick. Oh, Quick Kick. Quick Kick. Yeah. With his bare feet, which was kind of cheesy, but he's okay. Jinx, she was okay. You, you, yeah, but Quick Kick wasn't he the first one to die? Or was um, it Crazy Legs? I think it was Quick Kick. Okay, I can't remember. I remember, oh, I remember man, that brings back some real feelings. There. That moment when yeah, G.I. Joe killed the a guy. Saw Viper. Yeah. Those guys down in the prisoner pit. Man, I'm going to have to go back and read G.I. Joe's. You've, yeah. you've, uh, this Wolverine you know, podcast is. Larry Hama's incredibly bad habit of name drop, not name dropping, of knowledge dropping all his military knowledge all over it. Yeah. Like the guy diarrhea is useless military knowledge all over that book. <laughs> if you take that out, they stand up. Yeah. So I read, I read the first like 50 of them a couple years ago and really enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah, That's I think I have to go series. back and, and hit some of those. Yeah, I, I would bet now with the movie bombing, I mean, you can get some of that stuff pretty cheap on eBay too. I bet you can. I might have to resume my search to try to fill in my holes. Yeah. Because it's um. Yeah. But well, that's a little off topic. Little. <laughs> but that's off topic. okay. I don't always stay on topic anyway. So, um, I guess I would just say I agree with kind of everything you said that Wolverine is just as compelling now as he was then, and I was surprised. I, like we both were at how much he had to offer right away. Yeah. And pleasantly surprised. It was, it made me proud, which is a weird thing to say about a comic character, <laughs> but, but it made me proud to know that he was really cool from the beginning. And anyway, um, I just wanted to say to you, thank you very much for uh, agreeing to do this with me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks so. for having me. All right, cool. Well, um, when I get home, I will briefly touch on the, the first page of 182 that I printed off my computer and left at home. But uh, that, there won't be much to it. And um, yeah, so 
try to get this out pretty soon and we'll keep on trucking so uh thanks again to Cameron Sinclair for hosting this with me and uh you guys take care bye now hold on just a cotton picking minute we're not done with this episode we can't be we have one more thing we got to talk about no seriously um Incredible Hulk number 182 has the first page which I found a scan of online and printed off because I don't have the issue. And that one page is technically Wolverine's third appearance. And so I want to just kind of tack that on the end here because it's it's directly out of the story we just finished. And there's really, if I decide to do any Wolverine retro stuff, there's not any other place to put this. So I'm going to tack it on here. So Incredible Hulk 182 is between Hammer and Anvil, which are two characters that I don't see because I don't have the whole issue. <laughs> anyway, it's written by Lynn Wine, art by Herb Trimp or Trimpy. Glennis Wine is the colorist, and John Costanza is the letterer, and it's edited by Roy Thomas. So we have a little more than half the page. It's kind of the title frame. And it's, we have a, it's like a cross between an airplane and a helicopter. To be honest, it straight up looks like a G.I. Joe vehicle. But it's hovering aboard and there, it's got a loudspeaker that it's talking to. And it's above Hulk and Wolverine. And we're in, in, we're deep in the woods of Canada. And it says, attention Wolverine, your six hours have elapsed. You were assigned to capture the monster called the Hulk, and you have failed. Now it's our turn to try. <laughs> That's twice. They really, they really uh, stuck to this six-hour thing in this plot, which is kind of cool and kind of funny at the same time. We have Wolverine looking very wimpy, kind of waving his arms around his claws and crouching over, and he's like, No! You can't do this to me! My failure was only a temporary setback. I can still defeat that big brute. I can! And they're like, Wolverine, you have your orders. Do not disobey them. Enter the lift capsule immediately. And there's like a little... It looks like one of those things that you used to get at the bank, and maybe you still do. I haven't driven through, I've, you know, we all do direct deposit now, right? I haven't dri- driven through to put checks in the bank in a long time. Remember that tube, the little vacuum thing, and it comes out, and you, you pop open the canister, and you put all your money in there, and you close it back, and you stick it back in the thing, and it sucks it back up? That's literally what it looks like Wolverine is about to crawl into. And he's like, but the Hulk! What about the Hulk? And the, the pilot says... We will take care of him in our own fashion. And Hulk's like, Huh? Strange plane throws metal net at Hulk? So, it was good thing to know that even in the one page I have, I still get a third person reference from the Hulk. But yeah, apparently they throw some kind of metal net on him and, or at him. It doesn't land on him yet. And I'm assuming he gets out of it because re- reading reviews of this comic online, there's a pretty... Big story, or not big, but a pretty lengthy story that happens after this and has nothing to do with this. So he must get out of this net pretty fast and hop. I'm going to assume he hops across Canada again back into the U.S. and where he meets Hammer and Anvil. But one thing I forgot to do 
I'm gonna see if I can text Cameron right now, see if he's still awake. I forgot to get ratings from him for the books. Um, damn it. So we'll see if he responds to me. I just sent him a text and I'll edit all this out. <laughs> or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll let you see behind the curtain, so to speak. But I'll just say I thought this was kind of a funny way to end Wolverine's story. First of all, they bothered to put this one page in a whole separate issue. And I kind of, I think it's kind of cool in the fact that 181 ended, even though Wolverine kind of disappeared in the last couple of pages. I thought it was kind of a compelling ending with the Hulk identifying with the the Marie girl with all they had lost and they're kind of walking off together alone. Together but alone. Which I thought are good elements of a Hulk story. And I understand that if you put this after that, it kind of takes away from that ending. It just seems like it's weird that then, well, if you want to do something else in Wolverine, then do a little more. You know, make it like, I don't know, I guess they didn't want to have another brawl. So they just had Wolverine get a reprimand in for failing on his mission. Which I don't like. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Um, I don't think Wolverine would just be like, oh, well, yes, I have to obey orders. Like you said, I'm just going to climb in this pod and go away. No, I think he would have gone back after the Hulk and been stubborn and wild and kind of unhinged like Wolverine tends to be. So the idea that he just kind of falls in line and climbs into this capsule and lets the Hulk basically get away, it doesn't fit. Like that's something that definitely doesn't fit Wolverine. Okay, so I got what Cameron said, <laughs> and he texted me back, and he said, hmm, I guess one claw from the first issue, being 180, because Wolverine's only in one panel, but the mobilized Weapon X line was very cool. And then two claws for the second, which would be 181 in the full appearance. Which, you know, and I understand that because he didn't like the Hulk story as much as I did, like, in general, me and the Hulk comic. Um, I personally am going to go three claws on both of them because I did enjoy even the parts that Wolverine wasn't in, which, you know, Cameron didn't like as much. So... I'm going to go, and plus, I just, I like we talked about it at length, I thought it was a very good intro for Wolverine, so I'm going to give 180 and 181 three claws. I'm going to give the section I read of 182 one claw. <laughs> it still has Wolverine in it, and it's kind of cool to see, like, I don't know, because it's still part of the story of its first appearance, I can't give it zero claws, even though I kind of want to. And also because I don't think it's fair because I haven't read the rest of the book. And maybe the other story that doesn't have Wolverine in it is okay. But because I don't like the way Wolverine comes off as kind of as wuss here. <laughs> after he already got KO'd by the Hulk in a sucker punch, which I don't like. So I'm going to give the, the 182 part uh, one claw. So, okay. Well, uh, I'll stop things here. I just wanted to add this little part at the end talk about that page from 182 and, and get our ratings in. So Cameron didn't see this because I forgot to take it over to his house. So he's, he won't mm -hmm. comment on this one. Again, he gave one claw for 180 and two claws for 181. And I gave three claws for 180 and 181 and one claw for 182. Okay, well, um, 
episode 11 will be uh, the second half of November. So it'll be November part B, and that'll be episode 11, and I'll get that um, to you as soon as I get all this edited. I'll start immediately recording that episode, so no rest for the weary, right? (laughs) But I wouldn't have it any other way, so hope you enjoyed this as much as we did, and I'll see you next episode. All right, bye. For real this time. Goodbye.